Welcome to Evangel Church. Our mission is to bring people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at evangelchurch.com. God is so good, is he not? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm so excited to preach the word this morning. I kind of sit there like a kid on Christmas morning, jumping out of my skin. I can't wait to share what God wants to do. And my prayers I was preparing this morning, I always pray. And as I prepared, I, I said, Lord, let us have ears to hear. And what does that mean exactly? Because we all have physical ears, right? But what happens is sometimes our physical ears don't have the healthiest filters. We got junk that goes on in our life. And so that filters out our ears sometimes. Sometimes, by sheer virtue, we don't like the text. We don't like the style of the preacher. We don't, we, we're humans, right? We judge people instantly. That's what we do. So the prayer has to be that the spiritual ears are listening. Because the spiritual ears, the only filter on them is the Holy Spirit. So he makes sure that you hear things that you need to hear. Where your physical ears kind of block out. A lot of us have some, uh, some automatic ADHD when the preacher starts preaching. Some people begin to fall asleep. That happens. That happens. And so you have to pray that the spiritual ears are on so that they can hear what God is saying. That's what I've prayed this morning. I believe God's given me a word for this house. And so I want to begin to share with you this morning a message entitled, You Are a Game Changer. You are a game changer. Open up your Bibles this morning to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. Pastor Rick, worship was awesome this morning. Thank you so much. Amen. Amen. The title of the message is, You Are a Game Changer. And some of you might hear that title and say, well, she's not talking about me. I'm not a game changer. But I want to tell you that that title applies to everyone in this room who's given their life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Anyone online that's listening, if you've given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, you are a game changer. And you might say, well, how is that possible? I'm going to tell you how it's possible. See, the Lord Jesus Christ, when he was getting ready to be arrested, there's a famous prayer that he prays. It's called the John 17 prayer. And John 17 is kind of like Jesus' epitaph of his ministry. It's a synapsis. And he begins to talk to his father. And that prayer is broken up into three parts. It's broken up into Jesus praying for himself. Then he prays for the disciples that he has. And then he prays for the disciples that are yet to come. That's us, folks. Isn't it beautiful that Jesus prayed for us before we ever served him? Amen? But he prays, and he prays in this beautiful prayer right before he's arrested, right before he's beaten, right before he's crucified. And here are some highlights from that prayer. He first prays for himself, and he says, he says, Father, I know that my time on earth is coming to an end. I know you're going to take me out soon. He says, I thank you that you've given me all authority while I was here. And then he goes on to say, I have finished all that you've put in front of me. All that I was supposed to do, I did. What an incredible statement. All that God the Father wanted him to do, he did. And then he begins to pray for the disciples and for us. And he says, now, Lord God, I've given them, the ones you've entrusted to me, everything that they need. What has he given them? Everything. Everything that they need. They lack nothing. They lack nothing. I've given them everything. Now, Father, I've also given them your word. 
Take that word and sanctify them with it. Sanctify them with that word. Then he says, I don't pray that you take them out of the world. Hello? I don't pray that you take them out of the world. I pray that you keep them from the evil one. And then he makes an incredible statement. He says, as you sent me into the world, I now send them. As you sent me into the world, I now send them. As Jesus was sent into the world, now he's removed, he now sends us. Well, how does he send us? Well, he certainly doesn't send us just to survive the world. He certainly doesn't send us just to endure it. Is it possible that he sent us into the world to change it? Is it possible that God has sent the church into the world to change the world? Yeah, absolutely, it's possible. And the only way to look at that is to look at how Jesus went. How did Jesus go into the world? Well, Jesus was a game changer. Everywhere he went, the circumstance changed. Everywhere Jesus was present, there was healing, there was deliverance, there was power, there was hope, there was the kingdom advancing. Everywhere he went, everywhere he went, the kingdom of God was advanced. We say, that's Jesus. That's you. I'm not Jesus, right? <laughs> I'm not Jesus. That's right. He is the king of kings and he is the Lord of lords. He is the Messiah. He is the risen king. However, he did say, I've given them all that they need. I've given them all that they need. And Jesus stepped out of heaven and became like man. What does that mean? He was hungry. He was tired. He was lonely. He was rejected. He was betrayed. He was mistreated. He was abused. He cried. Sound familiar to anybody? Sound like us? Yeah. He became man like us. Why? To show us how to become like him. He became man like us and walked our steps to say, hey, I did it. You can do it. I did it so you can do it. He became our trailblazer. He set the path. He said, I've walked holy. You can walk holy. I've walked righteous. You can walk righteous. I've walked under the power of the Holy Spirit. So can you. I did it. His goal to coming to earth was to save us, thousand percent. But he also trailblazed the way for us as well. And so the way Jesus walked on this earth is the way he asked his church to walk. The way he walked into circumstances and situations and was the game changer, he expects us to do the same. He said, I've given them all that they need. They lack nothing. They lack nothing. And so as we look at the life of Jesus, because he's our greatest example of everything. You know, we wear these bracelets that say WWJD. And I love them, but my question is, is that really how we live? What would Jesus do? What would he do? Well, let's look at his life then. Let's see what he did. See, Jesus had three distinct markers in his life that made him a game changer. The first one was he was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. He was filled. Jesus was filled to the power of the Holy Spirit. The second is that Jesus was sanctified by the word. He lived right. Third, 
He was in constant communication with the Father. Those three together made him a game changer. And you know what, church? Those three together make you a game changer. Those three together make you a game changer. You're filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. You're allowing the word of God to sanctify your life. And you're in communication with the Father. You become a game changer. You become who God has called us to be. You know, the church has adopted this philosophy of being kind of meek. We misunderstand the word meek. Meek doesn't mean quiet and reserved. Meek means power in control. That's what meek means. People that are meek are not powerless. They just know how to walk in confidence. That's what meekness is. But the church has taken on this kind of like little mousy approach of like, just don't want to bother anybody. And just, you know, I'll, I'll live a good little Christian life. And I'll tell people, God bless you when the opportunity comes up. And I say, oh, I'm praying for you. And we think that that's the church on display. No. The church was never meant to be that. The church was meant to be a bold, powerful presentation of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. We were meant to put God on display. We were meant to be bold. We were meant to be ferocious. But we have adopted this philosophy of, I just... I want to live a good life, and I just want to be happy. And, I, and it's not right. <laughs> it's not the right life. It's not the right choice. But we get caught up is what happens. We get caught up in our lives. We get caught up in the nonsense going on at my son's school and what's going on at my job and, and the things that aren't working in the car and the things that are going on in social media and the politics and the news. And, and we get caught up in this world, and we don't realize that we're game changers in this world. We've moved from our role. We don't think that way. We think that we're just kind of enduring and kind of surviving. And we're praying to get through the day, praying that God blesses us and he takes care of everything that we need. And we have everything that we need. We go to bed. We get up the next morning to do it again. And nowhere in the equation do we catch who we're supposed to be. Every day, should power God should be displayed in your life. Every day, every day. And it might happen by chance, but how many of it, how much of it is actually intentional? How much do you get up and say, God, I'm in. Whatever's gonna happen today, I'm in. And that's the challenge before us today. See, what's happened is we have gotten used to living so below what God has for us. Come on, church. We've gotten so used to kind of living at this bare bone Christianity. When Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life more abundant. And we sit here at this last piece. One of my greatest preacher friends, his name is John Kilpatrick. He was the senior pastor of Brownsville when it had a revival. And the revival that broke out in the 90s, you know where it came from? It came from his personal prayer life. He would come into his church and he shared this story with me personally. And he would walk the aisles of his church all night all night and cry and say, God, there's got to be more. There's got, I don't want to preach another message. There's got to be more. There's got to be more. There's got to be more. And he would cry out to God. He would cry out to God until his voice was gone. And then he would weep like a baby and do it again the next day. Until what happened? Until one service started that didn't end for three years. The power of God filled the church. 
healings, deliverances. People were lining up from all over the world to go to church here. Where did it come from? It came from a man who said, this is not what the church is supposed to look like. It's 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 supposed to be filled with God. It's supposed to be filled with power. But we've become used to living here that we don't recognize. You know, some of you know in this building, I... I've suffered with chronic back pain for over 12 years. It showed up one day, one morning I woke up, I was in pain, it never left. So for 12 years, I've had this chronic nonstop pain. And somewhere, and you guys know, if you live in any kind of pain, you adjust your life for the pain. That's just how life happens, right? I pray for healing every day. Every prayer, yes, pray for me, (laughs) I wanna be healed. But you still have to live, amen? So you begin to adjust your life. You get a different chair to sit on. You figure out a different way to sleep. You make sure different. When I go to pray for people, I never prayed like this because it used to hurt my back. I used to have to make sure to step down close enough so I didn't lean forward. You just begin to make automatic adjustments to avoid the pain. You don't know what I'm talking about? That's what you do. Well, sometime last month, I was asleep. And normally I sleep on my side because I can't sleep on either end. It hurts. And if I, while I'm sleeping, if I fall either way, I'll instantly be jerked out of bed. Well, I fell asleep, and I woke up that morning on my face. So I sat up in bed, and I went, what just happened? And I went, wait, am I, am I not in pain? So I started walking around my house. I said, no, I, I started doing things that normally would be excruciating, and there was no pain. I said, God, you healed me. You healed me, God. Amen. Amen. But then, church, I began to think, when was the last time I felt pain? Because I didn't realize that I was healed. All right? Because I had adjusted my life. Do you hear me this morning? I had adjusted my life to the pain. So I started thinking, when? No. In July on the plane to Guadalajara Farm Missions trip was the last time I remembered pain. Three months, three months, three months. I said, Lord, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I didn't recognize. And he said, no, no, this was a lesson. He said, that's my church. My church lives below what I have for them. And even though I've given them everything that they need, They are still living in that place of lack. They are still living in that place of right there. When I've done so much more, when they're able to do something, they've adjusted all of their life and everything that they have for this lack, when I have so much more for them. And the same way you woke up and realized that you're healed, now the church needs to wake up and begin to realize that they have everything they need to be the kingdom people that God has called us to be. The church needs to awaken and say, God, you've called us to be a lion in this time, in this age. No more time for sleeping. No more time for living with lack. It's time to live in abundance. It's time to walk in abundance. It's time to be game changers. It's time to walk with the power of God in our life and say, all right, I am present in this situation. Let me tell you something. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about who we represent. It's about who you represent. When you walk in a circumstance, it's not about you. There's nothing great about us. 
Bible calls us dust. We're dust. But you know what? Dust in the master's hands becomes something amazing. Becomes something amazing. And so us touched by the power of God, us knowing how to be filled with the Spirit, allowing the Word of God to sanctify us, and being in communication with the Father. Now we got something to talk about. Now we got something to talk about. When you walk into a circumstance, there should be an automatic shift in the circumstance. There should be an automatic shift. And some of you look and say, that's not my personality. It doesn't matter. It's God's personality. It's not about your personality. It's not even about your giftings. Hello? It's not about what you can do. Can you walk? Yeah. Can you open your mouth? That's it. That's the requirement. That's the requirement. Because he even said, you don't have to worry about the words. I'll fill those words. He said, don't worry about them. I'll fill them. I remember I was on, on vacation a few years back, and I was in the pool on a cruise. And as I'm in the pool, a conversation breaks out. About 20 people are talking. And they begin to talk about how much they hate church and how much they hate pastors. So I'm sitting and I'm, I'm cracking up. I said, God, you set me up. I'm set up because I can't even walk out. They're all blocking the staircases. So I'm just listening to the conversation and they're going on and on. And I just begin to pray. I said, God, you're going to flip this conversation my way. So I need your words because I don't know what to say. And this guy turns around. He goes, hey, lady, what do you think? I said, it's okay. I said, well, I got a question for you. I said, do you guys go to doctors? And they go, yeah. You ever had bad doctors? Sure. Did you give up on health because you had bad doctors? Or did you keep looking till you found a doctor that could speak to you to stay healthy? And they all went, wow. And I'm in my heart going, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And the guy goes, wow, that's, that's amazing. That's really good. What do you do for a living? I said, well, I work with youth and children and people. He goes, oh, you're an educator? Yeah, we'll go with that, you know. I said, well, what specifically? I said, well, three questions in, I have to answer them, right? I said, well, I'm a pastor. And everyone started laughing. And I said, but look, I said, I don't believe in chance or coincidence. I don't believe that I'm in this pool at this moment while you're speaking about this because God is not hearing this conversation. And I said, so maybe God is trying to challenge you guys. And they were like, okay. And then church, each person started telling me where they live. So one lived in Virginia, one lived in California, one lived in Chicago. And I knew a church within three miles of every single one of their homes. It was one of the most unbelievable moments I was like, you live where? So you, you've never heard of Andy Stanley's church? Sure, I have. It's right the Okay. You've never heard of Choco? Yes. And as we walk, I was like, God, you're amazing. You're amazing. He doesn't have to worry about the words, church. He's got the words. He just doesn't force your mouth open. And so you're called to be a game changer. You're called to put God on display. We're called to make this big proclamation of who God is through our lives. And so if we begin to understand that and we begin to adjust our mind differently, now we begin to do differently. Now we begin to live differently. We begin to live with intentionality. We begin to live with tenacity. We're not bothering people when we say, can I pray for you? We're not bothering them. 
We're being God's mouthpiece. We're being his voice. We're being his heart. And so I want you to look with me at Acts chapter 3. We're going to start at verse 1. It says, now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer and the, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked them for alms. And he fixed his eyes on them. And Peter and John said to him, look at us. So he gave them his, their, his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankles, bones received strength. So he leaped up, stood and walked, and entered the temple with them, walk, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was him who was sat begging alms at the gate, at the, at the Beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder, amazement at what he had just happened. So here are two men who have walked this life with Jesus. Jesus is gone. They've had the day of Pentecost, so now they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And I love Peter, because Peter's us. Peter is the fleshiest disciple there is. He is us. He Shoots off his mouth when he shouldn't. He can't back up what he says. He's got anger issues. I mean, that's Peter. That's Peter. Peter draws swords and cuts off people's ears. I mean, Peter's a mess. And Peter gives me a lot of hope. Right? So here's Peter now being touched by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now we got something to talk about. Because Peter preaches his first message and has a preacher's dream. 3,000 people get saved, his first message out the gate. And now he's just living his life, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, understanding who he is in God, knowing the authority that he has as the Son of God. And he's walking with John. Church, they're just walking in their normal life. Do you get that? They're just going to church. They're going to the regular hour of prayer. There's a reason why the Bible puts that in. It's the regular hour of prayer. It wasn't an off hour. It was as he's living. As he's living his life. He comes up to the temple. There's this man there who has been lame since birth. He's in his 30s. He's in his 40s. Whatever years it was, he has had decades of being lame. He was born this way. He's never walked in his life. He doesn't know what it feels like to walk. And there is nothing in his heart that would expect something different to change. And the people that know him don't expect something different to change because the Bible says they lay him there daily. Daily he's laid there. That's his lot in life, is that he's going to be laid outside the temple to beg. And everybody in the temple knows him. He's the temple beggar. That's who he is. But as Peter and John walk on to him, in their daily life, Filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on. Sanctified by the word. In communication with the Father. They come across this situation. And he turns to me and says, give me money. Listen to Peter's answer. Silver and gold I don't have. Silver and gold I don't have. But what I have. Why? Because I have everything I need. Do you get the connection? Because I have everything I need. What I have I give you. 
Get up and walk in the name of Jesus. Get up and walk in the name of Jesus. And he stretches out his hand. Read what the Bible says. And he lifts him. <laughs> it's not like Peter saying, here, let me help you. Peter pulls the man up. A man who's never walked. And the man doesn't walk right away, church. He leaps. He leaps. It's like he got up and was kind of like, he jumps to his feet. He jumps to his feet. And he begins to leap. And he begins to jump. And then the last thing it says is he walked. He leaped, he jumped, and then he began to walk. His strength was completely restored, and he was completely healed. That's Jesus being on display. That's Jesus being on display. That's what it looks like. And then the man goes in the temple, and what happens? Everybody begins to praise God. Everybody, because they know him. They're like, that's the guy from outside. He's running, he's leaping. Who touched him? Jesus of Nazareth. The one we crucified? Yeah, that one. That one. And then Peter and John are arrested. They're brought before the Sanhedrin. They're rebuked. But the Sanhedrin, the Bible says, were marveled by Peter and John. They were marveled because they were uneducated and unschooled men, yet they resembled Jesus. Come on, church. They resemble Jesus. What does that mean? They looked like him. They smelled like him. They talked like him. Because Jesus came here to teach us how to become like him. And they watched him and they learned. They got filled with the spirit. So when they showed Jesus on display, they didn't see Peter and John. They saw Jesus. And the kingdom was advanced that day. Do you know that that should be us? That should be us. I was on vacation again in, uh, in April, I think. And I was on another cruise. We can talk about my cruise issues later, but I was on another cruise. And I got off the boat in Jamaica, and we were looking at jewelry. And as I'm standing there, I'm looking at jewelry. There's a woman from the cruise who's here. She's about in her 70s, her and her husband. And they're passing around like drinks on a, on a, on a glass tray. And they walk by, and they spilled the glass tray all over this woman's foot. And she is all cut up. She's bleeding everywhere, and the whole store panics because now she got hurt in their store. So one man grabs all these dirty rags, and they start putting these dirty ra rags on her bloody leg. And I'm like, and I'm watching for about three minutes, and then I'm like, no, no. I stopped them. I'm like, everyone get away. <laughs> get away from her. I sit her down. Her name was Alice. I said, Alice, sit down right here. I bring up her leg. I put a napkin on her leg, and the woman that's in charge of the store goes, oh, oh, everybody listen to her. She's a nurse. Okay. All right, that's fine. So... <laughs> I'm like, whatever, I'll clean her legs. I'm cleaning her leg, and the woman leans over. Alice, she goes, are you a nurse? I was like, no, it's okay. I know what I'm doing, though. So I begin to clean her leg, and I said, I'm so sorry this happened. And she said, she goes, this is the worst vacation of her life. She goes, this happened today, and last night I choked in the dining room. She goes, and nobody came to help me. My husband had to do the Heimlich maneuver on me. I turned blue for a minute. And her husband is standing there, and he's in his 70s, well, and he's just crying. He's not even speaking. And he's just beside himself. And I said, I said, Alice, but it's okay. She goes, what do you mean? I said, because right now, I'm in the store with you because God wants to remind you that he loves you and that he has a plan for you. And this was not a chance or coincidence that I'm here. I'm going to pray for you. And this situation now is going to change. She goes, okay. <laughs> okay. Her eyes got big. She just stared at me. She goes, you're going to pray right now? And she leaned her head forward. I was like, what, do you, what does she think I'm going to do? Oil, water? I don't know what she thought I was going to do. 
But then my girlfriend who was with me, who understands that she's a game changer, I yelled to her, I said, we're going to pray. So she stops in the middle, she goes, all right, let's pray. So she's got her hands lifted, she's praying. I put my hands on Alice and her husband, and I begin to pray out loud. The whole store prayed. The whole store prayed. Everyone just kind of nodded their head and just, we prayed for her. I gave her a kiss on the cheek. I said, I'll see you later, Alice. You're going to be fine. About an hour and a half later, I saw her walking around shopping. I said, how are you doing? She goes, it's okay. I think the bleeding stopped. I think I'm all right. She goes, but I need to know where you girls are because I need my prayer team close. Because I don't know if this has turned around yet. I said, well, we're close. We're on the same boat. Relax. Well, I saw her at the end of the, th- the trip, three days later, just the last day walking around the boat. I said, Alice, how are you? She goes, this has been the best vacation of my life. What is that? That's God on display. She's not going to remember me. She's not going to remember my friend. She's going to remember that Jesus showed up in that store and met her and changed the circumstance for her. See, church, that's who we are. We've been called to flip the circumstance like that. Hallelujah. 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 You might hear my stories and say, well, Pastor, look, in your story, everyone gets healed. Everyone gets touched. I'm worried that that's not going to happen when I step out. Can I tell you something? That's really none of our business. In plain English. It's really none of our business. I'll tell you why. You're not the healer. You're not the deliverer. You're the facilitator. Hello? Your job is to speak forth in boldness. Your job is to create a pocket for God to move. If God chooses not to heal, that's God. If God chooses to do something different in that circumstance, that's God. That's not your job. We don't heal anybody. We don't deliver anybody. We're just his vessels that he can use. I was coming back on a plane in October. And while we're on the plane, it's a three-hour flight. This kid gets sick. Well, kid, he's in his 20s. He gets sick on the plane. And they're calling forward. They don't know if they're going to have to make an emergency landing. They don't really know how sick he is. He's actually green. He's, his color's completely green. He's vomiting nonstop. And I see a kid sitting next to me. So I'm in an aisle seat, and there's another aisle seat. And this guy's really panicked. I said, do you know him? He says, that's my friend. He goes, I don't, I don't know how bad he is. He's been vomiting all day. And he's really sick. And I don't, he can't even speak. He's trembling. I said, what's his name? He said, his name is Anthony. I said, what's your name? He said, it's Rich. I said, okay. I said, do you think your friend will let me pray for him? He goes, I don't know, but let's go. So, <laughs> so we go in the back. And I don't really know how I got through because all the stewards were there. But I just know God told me to do it. Right? So I get in the back. The guy's laid out on the floor. He looks awful. He goes, Anthony, Anthony, this, this lady wants to pray for you, okay? And he, the kid nods. And I put my hand. I pray out loud. Everyone prays with me. Everyone prays, church. You know why? The world respects prayer. They respect prayer. You know why? They recognize when the situation's too big for them. And they recognize they better be an eternal God in this situation. So we begin to pray for this kid. And then they make us go back to our seat. And so happens the kid is sitting next to me. So I put my hand on and begin to pray. And he just nods. I said, don't be afraid, okay? We're going to pray for your friend. I just held his hand. And we prayed the whole ride. When I stopped praying, he goes, hey, you stopped. I said, I just need a drink of water. Relax. <laughs> Relax. <laughs> and we kept praying and praying. And then they started coming over. They go, hey. Your friend took a turn. He's looking a little better. I went back. And then they come back. Hey, your friend sat up. He stopped throwing up. Hey, your friend's asking for something to drink. And progressively, it kept getting better and better and better. And Rich turned to me. And he goes, it's because we prayed, right? I said, absolutely, bro. It's because we prayed. 
And that boy who was so sick that they didn't know if they would have to make an emergency landing to get him off the plane, now walked himself off with the EMTs, holding a bottle of water in his right color, not sweating like he was, embarrassed, but he walked off almost completely healed. And church, you might turn around and say, well, that's great, but I don't have that kind of boldness. And what I'm going to tell you today is that's not an option. It's not an option. If you don't have the boldness, ask for it. Ask for it. If you don't have the courage, ask for it. See, we, we misunderstand the word courage. We think courage is the absence of fear. It's not. It's moving in the midst of fear. God, I'm afraid, but I, I just want to be bold for you. God, I, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm, that's what courage is. And so today, God is saying to his church, will you be bold? Will you be bold? What if when Peter pulled that man up, his legs weren't healed? You ever think about that? I have. Because that man was going to face plant on the floor. But there was a boldness in him. And there was a confidence in understanding who he served. And there's a boldness that God wants to give to this church. And not evangel church, the church. The church, a boldness, a power to say, we want to put God on display. And so what do I have to do? What are my markers? The markers for us are the same as Jesus because we learn from him, amen? So the question is, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? So what does that look like? What does that look like? So I was filled one time. Get filled every day. Every day, open up your heart and say, Lord, would you fill me? Lord, would you fill me? Fill me with your spirit. If you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, we have made, the church has made being baptized in the Holy Spirit so difficult. It's not difficult. Any parent in this room, if you've ever given your child a gift, you give it to them. Why? Because they love it. Because you love them. Nine times out of ten, they don't deserve it. Amen? Nine times out of ten, you're like, you spoiled, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. Why? Because you love them. You know your heavenly father is the same? He gives you a gift because he loves you. Not because we deserve it, not because we're so wonderful, but because he loves us. So if you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you just say, Lord, I want to be baptized. And you ask your father and you open up your mouth and you let him fill you. Simple. That's how simple it is. But if you have and you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, every day, Every day as you wake up, begin as you're getting ready. Lord, I just pray for this day, God. I pray that you'd fill me with the power of your spirit, God, that you'd cause me to see like you see and to love like you help me. And you begin to just create this pocket in your time. I'm not telling you to stop short. And every minute, I, I'm telling you as you're living, ask the Holy Spirit to lead you. Ask him to guide you. Ask him to speak to you. Ask him to speak through you. Ask him to speak through you. Create this pocket for the Holy Spirit to fill. Ask him to fill. Jesus, remove all the junk. And Holy Spirit, you fill. Take the place of that junk. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then, allow the word of God to sanctify you. And what does that mean? See, we don't believe in an instantaneous sanctification. We don't believe you get saved and you become perfect right away. How many know you're not perfect? I mean, I'm not perfect. We're not perfect. So we're being sanctified. There is a process to sanctification. So what does that mean? Every day you should look more like Jesus. Every day. Every day the Holy Spirit should be doing a work in you, and the Word of God should be doing a work in you. So what does that mean? My opinion 
is not stronger than the word of God. The word of God makes my opinion. Did you hear that? That means my opinion is now subject to the word of God. And I allow the word to change me. I allow the word to wash me. I allow the word to correct me. I allow the word to sanctify me so that I begin to look every day more like Jesus. Every day. And then I'm in communication with the Father. Always. I'm always talking to him. I'm always sharing. Before you send that email, talk to him. Before you send that phone call, talk to him. You know what he says to you sometimes? You're too much in the flesh. Don't make the phone call right now. You're too angry. Don't send the email. Go take a walk. Come back. He does. He's a father. And he speaks to us like a father. He'll say, knock it off. You ever heard God say that? I have. I've heard God say, stop. Stop. Why? Because he's my father. I've also heard his warning. I've heard his protection. Before I left this last time in October on a trip, that night before I left, the whole Lord said, get ready tonight as if you're leaving tonight. And I said, why? I said, Pastor Nancy's coming at 4 o'clock in the morning. I got time in the morning. He said, get ready now. And he didn't give me any other instruction. And you know what I've learned? I don't need it. He said it. He knows better than me. I just simply do it. So I did it. Well, at 3.30, my entire complex lost power. I had no power the whole day. Had I not listened, I wouldn't have been able to leave. Who expected? There was no rain. There was no storm. There was nothing. It just went out. Who knew? My father knew. My father knew. So that constant communication with God allows you to be a game changer. That constant sanctification of the word allows you to be a game changer. That constant being filled with the spirit allows you to be a game changer. And then when you walk into your schools, when you walk into your jobs, when you walk into any place that you're at, you become a catalyst of change. You become a catalyst of hope. You become a catalyst of deliverance. You become a catalyst of healing. You become a catalyst of these things. Your job should know that a child of God works there. They should know. Your school system should know that a child of God attends that school. I worked secular most of my life until I worked at Evangel. And my coworkers could have hated me. But when they needed something, oh, can I talk to you? Can you pray for me? Oh, yeah, you've been talking about me all week, but sure, I'll pray for you. <laughs> sure, I'll pray for you. Right? Because they knew where hope was. They knew where power was. And that's who you have to be, church. In this hour, in this time, you have to be that game changer. You have to be that child of God filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, sanctified by his word, and in communication with the Father that allows you to take God and put him on display. The Bible says if he be lifted up, he will draw all men unto him. It's not necessarily our job to draw. He'll do that. It's our job to lift him up. It's our job to put him on display. It's our job to lift him high. You know how we live? We live with authority. You know why? Because we're children of God. We're afraid of that word. There's nothing wrong with that word. He gave us authority. He gave us authority. When you pray, pray with authority. When you speak, speak with authority. I was nine years old when I saw one of my first miracles. A woman who mentored me took me to the hospital to pray over this woman that had cancer. She had this huge growth on her neck. And I watched that woman pray over that woman's neck. 
vanished. Vanished. And I said, that's how you pray. That's how you pray. And that's how we have to pray, with authority. He's given us authority. Don't, don't just pray, say, God, I just I pray you make him feel. No. No. I thank you that all sickness must bow its knee to the name of Jesus. I thank you that cancer was defeated at the cross of Calvary. I thank you that fibromyalgia must begin to pray with authority, church. Remember, healing's not your business. Your business is to pray. Your business is to quote the word. Your business is to live the life. Let God take care of everything else. Let him take care of everything else. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask the worship team if they could come back up. Please, if you could stand with me today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Could you lift your hands this morning, church? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Faithful God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus. And as you lift your hands today, begin to just declare before the Lord, God, I want to be a game changer for you. God, I'm nervous. I'm not really sure how to do it, but God, I want to do it. I make a choice of my will today, Lord God. But I recognize, I recognize that I need your spirit, Lord God. I need your power to flow through me. I need your word to sanctify me. And I need to be in communication with you, God. Not every now and then, but all the time. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Wow. Hallelujah. There's such a beautiful presence of the Holy Spirit in this place right now. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's respond to that word, church. Lift up your voice. Open up your mouth in this place today. Hallelujah. Give him the worship that he's due this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
There's such an overwhelming sense of the authority of God in this place today. Hallelujah. Worthy, 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 worthy. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Worthy, 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 worthy. Hallelujah. is real simple today church you want a fresh touch from heaven today you want the Holy Spirit to fill you fresh and anew I want you to meet me at the altar it's as simple as that today hallelujah let's fill this altar today with people that say I want a fresh touch from God hallelujah you might say why come to the altar you don't turn on the water in the shower and step out of the room you go right up to the front where it is hallelujah Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's believe for the transformational power of the Holy Spirit in this place today. Hallelujah, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus. 